welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that looks at creators of science fiction, Star Wars, Star Trek, what have you, and uh, examines their influences on our lives, your lives, everybody's lives. I'm John. And I'm Mike. And we are going to be uh, delving into a special topic today. But uh, before we do that, of course, the nerdparty.com slash contact. You can go ahead and drop a line to the show uh, by finding Great Shot Kid there. You can find the show over on the social networks, facebook.com slash the nerdparty. Use the hashtag Great Shot Kid. Find the network's Twitter handle at joinnerdparty and the nerdparty on Instagram. Again, using the hashtag Great shot, kid. So, all of that out of the way, what we were uh, thinking about uh, discussing uh, today is what we were watching when we weren't watching Star Wars. So, of course, Star Wars, big influence on both of us and, and our viewing habits and, and tastes and everything, but there's a little bit of an age difference between us. It's not huge, but there's a little bit of an age difference. So I think there's uh, sort of an interesting conversation to be had here, in all honesty, because the landscape of what you would have been watching when you weren't watching Star Wars growing up, I think is more expansive than the one I would have had. I mean, I think I had slightly more limited options. I was around before the big cable boom, uh, as it were. Yeah, I don't know, because, well, I mean, I guess it depends. I mean, I was really young. My family did not have cable until I was like 10 or 11, you know. We held but, out till my senior year of high school. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. All right. But I mean, I think like the weird thing with me is like I, I didn't watch movies. I really didn't, you know. I was, yeah. I mean, it's just I mean, my family, they just, they don't, they don't watch movies. It's very strange. That is strange. So what happened? How did you wind up becoming the movie watcher then? Well, it was through Star Wars. Star okay. Wars was the gateway. You know, I mean, I started watching Star Wars when I was two with my friend Benny, who was, you know, his family was, they're huge movie fans, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, I would hear about these movies from Benny, you know, whose, whose parents would let him watch R-rated movies when mine wouldn't, you know? I mean, like, my parents wouldn't even let me watch G.I. Joe, you know, because it was, you know, about war. You what? Know, so, yeah. No. Yeah. Nobody ever died on G.I. Joe. It was. It didn't matter. And, you know, you look at, like, Transformers, you know, that's yeah. just or Star Wars, but I guess maybe it's just a little more abstract or something. I don't know. No, but I mean, like, G.I. Joe, they were firing lasers. Like, seriously, like, it wasn't, like, gunshots and there weren't spent shells and, like, they might as well have been playing paintball with Cobra. Like, nobody got tagged. My, my parents were, you know, kind of, well, my, my mom especially, kind of, kind of hippie-ish, I guess, in, right. a, in a lot of okay. ways. You know, I mean, she she was, okay. a, you know, someone go, I mean, my, my mom was not a big fan of, like, any sort of, like, conflict or confrontation, you know? Yet she knows that Star Wars has a lot of war-type conflict in it, I mean, yes? it, it has war in the title. Yes. <laughs> right? But I guess she, I don't know. You know, it's it's weird. It's weird. Okay. I don't know. But, yeah, you know, so, so what was I watching? Well, I mean, I was watching Transformers. That was huge for me. 
I mean, when Benny and I weren't playing Star Wars, we were playing Transformers. I mean, but you got to keep in mind that Transformers started when I was like four years old, right? But would it would it have still it was still the original run, right? Yeah, I vividly okay. remember when the movie came out, which I didn't see in theaters. Oh, I saw it for one of my birthdays. I, yeah. I was very disappointed that I didn't see that in theaters, but we got it, you know, on video. I remember taking it home, which is interesting because you look at that. I mean, Transformers the movie is very much a Star Wars ripoff, right? Like the plot is basically well, sure. a Star Wars, yeah. but it's great. It's great. yeah. You have the call. Yeah, you have the the call to action. You have the hero and the magic talisman and the big evil. Who's commanding the tiny evil and stuff like that? What, what was the thing that the guy was talking about? Like, was it Lucas Ploitation? Is that what he was saying? <laughs> I don't know this. Who, There's who a was guy. Saying? He writes for like he's actually in Chicago. Like I've seen okay. him at like screenings and stuff. Uh, okay. And I for, I forget his name, but he wrote like this whole article about like Lucas Ploitation, which okay. is basically like the movies which were like low budget ripoffs of Star Wars, how that became like a whole genre in like the mid eighties. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, there was have you ever seen Battle Beyond the Stars? No. That's but, Roger Corman, I think. Yeah. It's got George Papard in it. It was so obviously that uh you know they sold people on the idea of being in the film because they were like, um, it's like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll be in it. I'll be in it. Flash Battle Gordon. Star Galactica, I mean that's what that was. Well, didn't yeah, Battlestar Galactica got sued, didn't they? I, yeah, I think they did actually. Yeah, because yeah. I think Dykstra worked on it, and mm-hmm. uh, they were accused of like stealing ship designs or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, it's crazy. yeah. Well, gosh, yeah. I watched. I definitely watched about the original Battlestar Galactica, which is a very. It's. I think it's very difficult to wrap my head around the fact that it was only one season long, because. Well, then there was it, Galactica nineteen eighty. No, what I don't know what you're talking about. Galactica oh come on! It's not existed. like it somehow ruined the great <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. That show, pure garbage. It was not pure garbage. I will admit that going back and rewatching it as an adult, I said there may be some issues with this that aren't. You know, it's not as good as my childhood remembers. But uh, I wouldn't call it pure garbage by any. And, uh, see, I think you're. Poison. Your whole we've gone we've gone on about this. You're poisoned against the original Battlestar Galactica because you love the new one so much. But the original one has some real charm to it. It's dumb. It's so dumb. I mean, what's in dumb so about many it? Ways. What's dumb what is, about it? Yeah. What is specifically well, I mean, dumb about there's it? There's the thing that Ron Moore talks about all the time, where it's like, you know, society is obliterated. And then in episode one, they go to the casino planet. What? There's some real weird tonal things. You mean, also, you mean detouring to a casino planet didn't seem to make sense or further the narrative? Okay. All right. No, I can see how that could I'm work. No, there's is, definitely a Star no, Wars. Wait a minute. No. Battlestar Galactica influenced no. Star Wars then. No, no, no. Okay. That's not what All I'm right. saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is while it may have advanced the plot, while it may have furthered the narrative, it was so tonally inconsistent because like the last few thousand human beings in the galaxy would not be having a fun time at a casino mere hours after, you know, the rest of their race was wiped out. The 70s were a different time, Mike. I 
In the yeah. 70s, you had Studio 54. You had a whole lot of things going on. It was a, it was a freer time, and they valued uh, rest and relaxation. And I think that's what, uh, that's what an episode of uh, Battlestar Galactica was speaking to. Okay. The, the need to relax even when the world is ending. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I said, going back as an adult, it's not as good as I thought it was when I was, however old I was when it was on five or something like that. So I don't know. I, I mean, it's for me, it's weird because I don't really have a lot of memories of Star Wars ripoffs that I watched specifically because I think my dad was a really good filter for that. My dad was a cinephile of sorts. And I think if my dad sniffed out, you know, this is a cheap ripoff of star Wars. My dad was the one that was like, mm, we're not going to go. No, you're not going to go. We're, we're not seeing that. And we wound up watching, we wound up going to a lot of movies. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark was, you know, the Indiana Jones movies were there. Um, but there were also, you know, some really obscure ones. I can I can never remember the title of it. It was something crossing, maybe night crossing or something like that about a family that was escaping from East Germany. It was based on a true story and they were in a hot air balloon and they used a hot air balloon to get out of East Germany. Hmm. And, uh, I remember that one. We went to an iron Eagle. I remember seeing iron Eagle. Like it was weird because it seemed to be that the choices were star Wars or, you know, empire strikes back or return of the Jedi. And then especially after those were over with, everything turned a lot darker and a lot more like military. Like the, 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 the end of star Wars was like the rise of Schwarzenegger. If you think about it, right. Cause return of the Jedi comes out in 83 and then 84 you get Terminator. And I see that because my brother works at a video store. So I was like, yeah, fine. You can watch Terminator. So I, my parents didn't let me see R rated movies. My brother did. And uh, so, you know, that was, I don't know, man. Like it, it was like ev- everything that's not Star Wars from my from what I was watching when I was growing up. I, I watched Transformers too. I was a huge Transformers fan. I watched GI Joe, but like everything else was like killer robots in the army. You know? Yeah. See, I didn't watch any of that stuff. Like I, I'll never forget because it's it traumatized me. You know, when I was seven years old, I was over at Benny's house and RoboCop had just come out. Oh and, no. Uh, you were seven when you saw RoboCop. VHS. Well, no, you know, and like they, oh, no. they, or I guess I was eight. I had just turned eight, and because I remember the Winter Olympics were going on, and um, I was trying to, you know, they were like, let's watch RoboCop. You know, let's let's do this, and I'm like, I, how about I, you know, I look, can we watch the Olympics instead? You know, come on, <laughs> this would be much better. And they're like, no, no, RoboCop, and they're like, I don't know, is it okay for Mike? He's only eight. And, you know, Benny's mom called up her brother who had seen the movie and said, like, hey, is it okay? And he's like, it's fine. There's, like, one scene where they're in, like, a locker room and you see some, you know, nudity, but he can handle it. And Uh, I'm like, okay. He he forgot the brutal murder. And then, like, we're all sitting there watching it. And, like, you have to understand that Benny's mom and my mom knew each other because uh, they were both... uh, Cantors at the uh, the Catholic Church. That's 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 how they were friends, you know. And and yeah. Benny and I went to, to Catholic school together, you know. So we're watching this, and then the boardroom scene happens, right? Oh, that's a good time. And you know, as the guy is riddled with bullets, and there's you know thousands of squibs going off, 
you know, I'm just like, because I had never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Benny's mom says, Mike, tell your mom you watched Looney Tunes. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the thing that like terrified me about that was not even so much like the, the extreme violence. It was everyone afterwards saying like, oh my God, back to the drawing board and the complete disregard for the fact that someone had just been brutally murdered. Yeah in this mm-hmm. boardroom. Yeah. That's what terrified me. You know, I had nightmares and and I think that's why to this day I pretty much, you know, don't like RoboCop. You know, RoboCop that's 2 I'm okay with. Irving no you're Kirchner. not. Nobody nobody is fine with RoboCop 2. That movie is that you if you're going to call Battlestar the original Battlestar Galactica pure garbage, RoboCop 2 is a flaming pile of garbage. <laughs> RoboCop 2 is such a hot mess of garbage that it burns a hole in the pavement that you fall in and break your legs. That movie yeah. is awful. It's awful I, on every single level. I, I like I like RoboCop 2. It's fine, you know. Oh, Irvin Kirshner, Irvin Kirshner. But to, you know, there were there were a few movies one. which I did see, you know, almost random, you know, and it, it almost seems like any movie that I watched I I liked a lot. Like, I don't know, I don't know why I didn't watch more movies because, you know, the the ones that I liked, I watched again and again and again, but I mean, the big one was Back to the Future for sure oh yeah like i i wanted yeah. to be marty mcfly you know i had a vest and you know everything like that and i just thought he was the coolest guy in the world and that was the coolest movie in the world and i watched that again and again and again but again like my parents being weird and you know me not really i don't know why i thought like going to a movie is like a big thing and maybe it was for my parents i mean my mom worked for the church and my dad worked for the government. So maybe they, I mean, I know they didn't have a a lot of money, but like, I don't know. Like, I I mean, I I go to see like a few movies a day now, you know, and back then maybe that really was like an event, but back to the future, you know, back to the future two comes out and it's like, no, I didn't see Back to the Future 2 in the theater. Like, the thought had never really crossed my mind. Yeah, and it was yeah. only four years after the first one. But movie theaters, like, I mean, we've lived through the rise of the multiplex. I remember specifically, like, the, the movie theater I saw Empire Strikes Back in had maybe, if my memory serves, six, th- six screens in it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't stadium seating. The no. auditorium sat maybe 200 people in each theater. And the screens weren't overly large. And the screens still aren't overly large in most theaters now. But like, there was no stadium seating. There wasn't recliners. There wasn't anything like that. But movies, still like it was hard to get to the movie. It was harder to get to a movie, or to see a movie when we were growing up. And now you know, I mean, why belabor the whole thing about like streaming and and DVDs and you know shipping services and instant video and all of those things? But like. Now you have a multiplex that has, you know, 15 screens on it like that. You know, that's like mind blowing to, you know, six year old John's like 15 movies playing at once. Where is this magical paradise of which you speak? You know, yeah. like it was a trek like it, it, we, we had to go 45 minutes to get to a movie theater for most of my life growing up. And then when a movie theater, uh, it was the only nine cinemas. OK, there were nine screens on it. This was a huge deal. And as oh, yeah. I think back to it, 
the auditorium, I think the biggest auditorium there sat like 350 people. Mm-hmm. And it, and that was a big deal because it was only 15 minutes away from my house. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's why movies were a bigger deal is it was, there was more effort involved in going and seeing a film, you know, back then. So... Perhaps, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, there were a number of theaters close to my house. There was the Lake Theater, you know, which was a, an old movie palace that had been split up a little bit into like three screens. And then there was the Forest Park Theater, which showed 70 millimeter. It's now a uh, rent-a-car place. And then there was the, the Harlem and Cermak Theater, which I believe was second run, which is now a Best Buy. But, you know, there were a number of theaters within a short distance of my house, and I never ended up at any of them. So, Well, you know, I, the, the thing is, while you're sitting here recounting and you're seeing RoboCop, I think it's funny because, um, you know, and I, I talked about, like, the rise of Schwarzenegger and everything, but, like, Return of the Jedi comes out the, the year that I turn uh, nine. Okay, eight going on to nine. And within a year, year and a half after that, I'd become hooked on horror films, slasher films to be precise. And they dominated my teenage years. And I think that there's probably some sort of psychological study. I'd be interested to to see if I'm unique in this or if anybody else went down this road of like you go from this pure, happy, child indulgent, you know, fantasy stories and morality tales of Star Wars. And then I graduate like almost immediately into movies about psychopaths going around, you know, one of them goes into somebody, into people's dreams and kills them in their dreams. And one of them has a William Shatner mask that's been spray painted white and he kills them all. And, you know, like what, what kind of gear shift happened in my brain where it was like, yep, well, okay, the hopeful stuff's done. Let's go watch some killing. You know, like I, I will never understand that about myself. What happened, man? Well, I think the gear shift is probably puberty. That That's my guess. But... <laughs> I guess um, I was an early start. I mean, the, okay. the same thing. I think that is typical. The same thing happened to me. I mean, you know, I got back into Star Wars after like losing all interest in movies and becoming just like a sports fan, just hardcore sports fan, you know. And then some somehow I like Empire Strikes Back was playing on TV, and I, I watched it and was like, "This is really good." And started rewatching those and really got hardcore into Star Wars and that led to Star Trek and all that, all that stuff. But like, and comic books and everything. And, and then, yeah, when I'm, you know, 15 years old, uh, my, my older friend who, you know, was a, a film buff was like, check out this movie, uh, which, you know, you'd probably enjoy, you know, cause there's a whole conversation in it about Star Wars. It's called Clerks, huh. you know? Yeah. So I watched Clerks, and I mean, there were like literally words in there which I had never heard before. You know, <laughs> I can't say any of them on this particular podcast, but if you listen to me speak pretty much anywhere else, you'll you'll hear me say them. And uh, yeah, it, it was something that I had never seen before, and it really did open up my eyes to this other world, which included things like Tarantino movies and Pulp Fiction and, you know, indie cinema and R-rated comedies and all that stuff. So I I didn't really get into the horror stuff too much, but I did get into, like, the really, really, like, raunchy, you know, like, almost, like, sex comedy stuff, you know? So there was that, that shift, 
for for me too, you know, into the adult fair. You know, it, it's interesting though because what never transferred for me, and I guess maybe this this uh, you know descends from the being able to sniff out the cheap imitation sort of stuff. But I remember so many things that were blockbusters growing up. Top Gun uh, being one of them. You know, like movies like that where you would almost think that there would be this, um, you know, commutative property where, you know, oh, you were a Star Wars fan and you like ships flying around and straightforward stories and love stories and stuff like that. Here's Top Gun. And even though I was, uh, you know, I should have been part of the target demographic for Top Gun, I remember seeing it when it came out on video and saying to everybody, I don't like this. And of course, you know, my, my brother and, and cousins who are like five and six years older than me, you know, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm, I still don't like Top Gun. I, I've never been able to figure out why, like, I mean, I can figure it out. I know exactly why Star Wars is something special compared to these things. And I think that's sort of the, the soulless quality of Top Gun is what I always picked up on is it's just so bland it's so i don't know it's 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 just like a jigsaw puzzle that you put it together and it's like oh it's it's a picture of a parking lot okay you know like that sort of thing i don't know i mean i hadn't seen top gun until it was released in 3d imax 3d a few years back and i saw it then and then i just went i saw it the second time um just about a year ago they did a 70 millimeter screening as part of a 70 millimeter festival. And that was a pretty great screening because the audience was like really into it. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I think it's fun. I think it's funny. I don't think it's great. You know, it's not like, you know, I'm like, Oh, where has this been my whole life or anything like that? <laughs> but I see the charm, you know, cause it's like a very ham and cheese and, and, and I appreciate that. But I think it's a lesser blockbuster and a lesser Tony Scott movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I You know, what what's interesting, though, is um, something I didn't double back to for a very long time, but I in the wilderness years after Star Wars, when I was still going, I was always being taken to, uh, you know, movies on my birthday. Uh, the Living Daylights was mm-hmm. one of those movies that popped in there. And... Uh, like I became an instant James Bond fan just based on that movie. And I never saw any other James Bond movie until License to Kill. And I promptly, I promptly stopped being a James Bond fan after that one. So it was very sure. And, but now that I've gone back and revisited the series, it's so interesting because living daylights will always be that like anchor point for that whole series. And that happened during this time period, you know, star Wars is gone. Transformers has come and gone and living daylights. I think, speaks a little bit to that whole youthful rambunctiousness, you know, that energetic sort of filmmaking that's there. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, James Bond, well, the first one I I ever saw was Goldfinger, which was at at my friend Matt's house where his brother, his older brother and their friends were like, dude, we got Goldfinger. Let's, you know, put this on and make fun of it, you know? And I mean, like Goldfinger is a movie, which you can totally, I mean, especially you get a bunch of high schoolers together, you know, today, like, or even 20 years ago, like that's what's going to happen because it's extremely silly, you know? And I think what we didn't realize watching it then was like, yeah, no, it's supposed to be funny. It's not that this is just like, 
extraordinarily bad. Like they're trying to be funny and it's succeeding because we're all laughing, but we think that we're above the movie when in reality we're not. But because of that, I was just like, this is dumb, you know? But then when, when GoldenEye came out, like that was the first one that I saw in the theater. And and I really did. I think I loved the idea of it more than I loved the actual movie. And, and, you know, my uncle had all of the James Bond movies, you know, and, and, I watched them all, you know, almost one right after the other and, and became a really big Bond fan at that point, for sure. Well, here here's a question for you, because the thing is, I, I actually have an answer in mind. But what's the first movie you saw in, you know, after you had seen Star Wars, there was no prequels, there was no talk of prequels, it was just Star Wars was over with. What's the first movie you can remember seeing where it just grabbed you, where it it filled that hole that, you know, like Star Wars left a sort of like a gaping hole in the, in the entertainment landscape when it was gone for a while. What's the first one that ambled into that, that spot and said, the sun has risen again. I mean, I'm not sure that I was that conscious of it when I was that young, but it would be back to the future. Now, okay, I think if I were to take that into a slightly more elevated you know, place. I think once I got older and I started realizing what it was that Star Wars was and how special it was, and I started watching a ton of movies like for real, the first movie which I saw, which I felt like this must have been what it was like when Star Wars came out, right? Uh, the first movie that I saw that I thought really captured that essence, at least my idea of what it was like, um, upon first viewing in the theater, was Independence Day. Interesting. Okay. I think this is where age, uh, the, the slight age difference that we have uh, plays, plays into the discussion, because for me, it winds up 1989's Batman by Tim Burton. I can totally see that. Because that, you know, you sit down in the theater and you're like, eh, you know, okay, might be a little cheesy, like the super, you know, Superman 4 sucked, you know, ha ha ha, maybe it'll be like Superman 4. And then you, you watch it and you come out and you're like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. I, have, I have to go see that again, because what just happened? That's the first movie, I think, that I saw, uh, I saw it five times in the theater that summer. And that's the first movie where I think I broke the the two-time barrier yeah. in terms of seeing a movie. I actually... My gosh, I honestly think that's the first movie I saw more than once in the movie theater. Yeah. Was uh was that Batman film? I mean, I can totally see that with Batman. You know, I mean, Independence Day, you know, while I say like that, you know, and and I was all about Independence Day that whole summer and everything like that. Like I think I was quickly sort of like I quickly schooled myself, I think. You know, a year later when Titanic came out. And that was when I was just like completely blown away and was like, this is just next level. I'll never forget like seeing the movie, going home, flipping through my Laserdisc collection to find something else to watch that night, you know, and looking at all the movies in there, including all the Star Wars movies and just thinking like, there's nothing in here which can come close and I can there's nothing that I can watch which will come close to the experience that I just had. I'm not even gonna try. I'm just gonna lay in bed and relive the magic. So here's 
here's a question though, because we we like to talk about how Star Wars left an impact on the landscape and everything. And I agree with you. Titanic's a great film. Do you think Titanic had a similar like? Do you think Titanic's impact did it change filmmaking and what audiences wanted, or was it something where people loved it and respected it and understood it in its own context, but it never really bred, you know, a whole subgenre like the the cheap Star Wars knockoffs that existed? I don't yeah. recall it having that sort of effect, which doesn't take anything away from it. I'm not saying it makes it a lesser film because of it. I'm saying like. I do you think that the landscape had just changed or am I wrong? Did I miss something? Well, they tried briefly, I think. I mean, the, the clearest example I think would be Pearl Harbor. You know, oh, really tried okay. to tap into that and failed, you know. I, I think they they didn't and this is something which I don't know. I I I saw I realized it blew me away, you know, but like when you think of blockbuster, you think of big action movies, you think of demographics that sort of lend itself to teenage boys, you know, whether or not that makes any sense, whether or not that's true, like that's the sort of stereotype, you know, when you think of the people going to the midnight movies or whatever, you think of teenage boys and, Mm -hmm. you know, comic book movies, you know, I have, you know, very much sort of, uh, fit that stereotype and all that stuff, you know, in, in a lot of people's minds. And I think what Titanic did, which everyone, I don't know, maybe everyone didn't miss, I, I don't know, but it was really aimed at teenage girls, right? Yeah. I mean, those were the people who really responded to it. And whether it's because the types of movies that teenage girls are interested in are generally speaking just less expensive to make and, you know, aren't like blockbusters in that sense. I mean, you could say that The Notebook is kind of in that vein, right? In terms mm-hmm. of its popularity, in terms of what it is that people really did respond to with Titanic, you know? And I think that that's like a demographic which has been really, really overlooked, you know, for a long time. And the the thing that blew me away, that absolutely blew me away when this happened, you know, that I could see firsthand was I was working at a movie theater in 2008 when we had in back-to-back weeks, and I forget which one was first and which one was, you know, last, but we had um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull mm-hmm. and Sex and the City 2, I believe. Ugh. came out back-to-back weeks. And we had midnight shows for both because, of course, and, you know, there was a decent crowd for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Sex and the City 2 sold out every screen, you know? And really? I'm like, what's going on here? You know, and, like, my reaction was like, how dare they, you know? Like, <laughs> like a star, a Sex and the City movie more than a Indiana Jones movie, you know? But... I mean, the fact of the matter is it's like those were the people who were coming out to see, you know, midnight shows, that demographic, you know, more mm-hmm. than the, the stereotypical one. And I, I don't know. I, I think that like that, that's why it's, it's kind of hard to compare, you know, like Titanic to Star Wars, because like the types of movies that are like Titanic, I think are like Titanic on, on a very different level. 
you know you can okay. make a movie that's like titanic for 30 million bucks you can't really make a movie that's like star wars for under 100 million you know not anymore i, I mean all the talk about titanic though i remember what a big deal it was when it hit a billion yeah and now you know blockbusters are you know <laughs> considered like failures if they don't hit oh billion at least a billion worldwide or something like that. It's it's so weird how that scale is because I remember back when, you know, uh, and there's there's a famous clip that that's floating around that was floating around where Mark Hamill was on Johnny Carson, talking about how wildly successful Star Wars was, and it was like six months in, and they'd made 165 million dollars or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like you know part of it's inflation and everything like that, but you sit there and you think about it, and it's like I remember that 1989 Batman made. You know, once when it broke a hundred million dollars, it was a huge deal. Oh yeah, like can't. But Cameron's the one that kept kicking down the budget door, and he made, you know, Terminator Two for like a hundred ten million, and like Titanic was two hundred million. And I, I, did we ever find out what Avatar was made for or anything like that? <laughs> like two hundred and fifty million, something like that. I don't think it was three hundred yeah. million, but it was close. Yeah. yeah. So so like it, it just becomes a scale of escalation. So when you talk about like you can't make this type of movie for less than 100 million, I think you can't make this type of movie for less than 100 million specifically because there are people who insist that they need 250 million to make it. And it's like But I think I it's know. also it's also like speaks to what those two demographics are looking for like, you know, I mean if we're just going to break it down to just let's say teenage boys and teenage girls, you know, and and that thing like yeah. I mean obviously this is all, you know, just like stereotypes, right? It's it, it it probably has no sort of like basis in reality. I mean, Wonder Woman, clear example of how that sort of like throws all of what we're saying right out the window, you know? And, and I mean, hey, I was a teenage boy who was, you know, extremely in love with Titanic. I mean, more than anything else, right? So that's, you know, but just, yeah. you know, I mean, like just trying to, you know, look at things in terms of like demographics in some sort of way, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's interesting. It's so, it's so hard to to predict, I guess, but something that isn't hard to predict is uh, how to reach you online. So uh, <laughs> where can people find you online, Mike? Uh, well, you can find me on uh, Twitter at mumbles three K and you can also find me uh, on my website, commentary doing a show called commentary track stars and uh, you can find me on Trek.fm doing a show called Stage 9 with you. That's right. We do Stage 9. Uh, we're currently we're talking about uh, Quentin Tarantino's films because he's going to be a, a Star Trek creator. Yay. Yeah. Uh, you can find me back here on this network uh, co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing. And you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. So... Uh, Until next time, thanks for joining us on this journey, and we will catch you next week on Great Shot Kid. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.